Listener Production. The Artemis One spacecraft has crashed back down to Earth. Here's how the mission went. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing, a podcast about the science of everything. After nearly a month in space, the first stage of NASA's mission back to the moon is safe on the ground. What did it learn? What was it doing up there? And what's next for NASA's boldest lunar mission ever? I talked to Cosmos Magazine journalist Matthew Aegis to find out. So, Matt, it seemed like for a period there, from around August to November-ish, that Artemis One would never get off the ground. But it finally did. I love your enthusiasm for it. And I must say that I always thought it was going to get off the ground, even if, you know, ye of little faith didn't. But Oh, okay, sure, <laughs> yeah. It finally launched into space on the 16th of November, so around a month ago now. For those who might be hearing about Artemis for the first time, give us a super quick run-through on what it is. Artemis 1 is the first mission of a three-year mission program. So the Artemis program still has two more stages to come in 2024 and 2025. Ultimately, this whole program and what these individual launches are doing is moving closer to the goal of putting humans back on the moon. And it's not just in terms of what we probably think of in terms of the original Apollo missions where we see astronauts sticking American flags into moon soil and getting a six iron out and and swinging it at a golf ball (laughs) and putting that out into space just for fun. Um, This is a mission that is going to tick off a few other boxes. So we will see the first woman on the moon, the first person of color on the moon, And I think even with Artemis 2, they're going to put the first Canadian into orbit around the moon as just another milestone (laughs) I read about that mission the other day. So on top of this, finally with Artemis 3 and beyond, the goal will be to establish a permanent base of operations for lunar research near the moon's south pole. Right. So like you said, yes, it was delayed a number of times due to some issues with refueling and bad weather with the Kennedy Space Center in Florida, where it was launching from. There were a few hurricanes there. But November 16, it went up, collective sigh of relief at NASA and around everyone else watching around the globe. And now we're back here. We've uh, we've splashed down in the Pacific. Tell us a bit more about what it was actually doing while it was up there and sort of how it all went. It sounds like it was pretty good. I guess the best way to describe Artemis One is that it's sort of the dress rehearsal before we insert humans into the mix. In the last podcast, we talked about these mannequins they put on there and they're meant to simulate humans, but they weren't the closest things to humans that were actually on this flight. So they had fungus, yeast, algal samples, which were actually (laughs) sent into space. So actual biological properties sent into space to look at the exposure of space radiation on them and how it affects them. So yes, they were the closest things to humans that actually went up on the flight. (laughs) And they were ultimately looking at the effect of deep space travel on the Orion spacecraft, the capsule that the human astronauts will go in in Artemis 2 and 3. Then in terms of the actual test, they were sending this spacecraft the furthest from the planet Earth that any spacecraft designed for human occupants has ever gone. Therefore, testing the instrumentation on board is pretty important. NASA will also be reviewing a lot of the tech that's on board the space capsule, and that also includes the new heat shield technology that surrounds the crew module. 
So that's the thing that protects the spacecraft as it heats up. Yeah, I'd <laughs> if I was an astronaut, I'd like to know that the technology that's meant to keep my space capsule's integrity together when it experiences temperatures of over <laughs> 2,000 degrees uh, was doing the job it's meant to, wouldn't you? Sure, yeah. Mm. And another thing that Artemis 1 brought up was 10 miniature satellites, so CubeSats, and they were released just after launch to perform specific experiments in space. And, and they are all very much up in space at the moment right now. Okay, so can you tell us about these CubeSats? Basically, if you imagine something roughly the size of, I don't know, a, a shoebox or a microwave oven, each had a different purpose. So some of them, for instance, are going to the dark side of the moon to explore and search for water. One that Japan built, that had the best mission, I thought, which was to be Japan's first moon landing. But it also had the best name. Its name was Outstanding Moon Exploration Technologies Demonstrated by Nano Semi-Hard Impactor, or Omotenashi. Unfortunately, though, it didn't work when it was released. <laughs> um, the solar panels that will generate the electricity to, to power the thing didn't face the sun long enough to actually get it going. So... Japan's going to have to wait another day by the looks of it to land something on the moon. So not, not outstanding. Not outstanding. Quite mediocre. Okay, Matt, so you've already mentioned the Moonikins, and if you remember from last time, I hated the name Moonikins because they were mannequins that literally went to the moon, and I get it, but it's not clever, and I just hate it. But I do remember as well, they had those little figurines on board too, right? Like there was Snoopy and some other mascots. Did they survive? Like, tell me they perished as well. I don't think they perished because they just would float in space and the space capsule they were in was completely intact when it arrived, which is good news, Sophie. Oh, good news. It's good, good news. news. We want things to survive the trip um, because we're <laughs> going to put humans in the next <laughs> That's one. That's true. Good point. The main one there was, was Snoopy, but you mentioned the Moonikins and I know you love them and they did a very important job. They were laden with sensors. They were clad in the new spacesuit, the safety spacesuit that has been designed for the Artemis mission. So all of these mascots were up in space for nearly 26 days. I think it was 25 and a half days that give or take a few hours before the spacecraft made its way back down to Earth. And so how did that go? The controlled re-entry back to Earth, I mean, which is the name for making sure a spacecraft comes back safely, right? Yeah. In this case, the Orion spacecraft crew module, which was returning to Earth, trying to work out how to explain its shape. Do you remember Rolos? The chocolate? Yeah, like the chocolate. They are amazing. You can still buy them in the UK. I believe they stopped manufacturing them in Australia, yeah. which is a travesty. I went to the shop the other day and I couldn't find them anywhere. And then I was sent to the international food section to get it. So yeah. that blew my mind that they still exist there. Anyway, it's sort of shaped a bit like that. I assume it was a bit bigger than a roller. It's a bit over five metres by around seven and a half metres. Oh, okay. Like a huge roller. Yeah, really big. And so that falls back to earth in a controlled way, hitting the atmosphere at speeds more than 40,000 kilometers an hour. So if not the record, it was very close to the record speed traveled by an astronaut carrying vehicle in space. Yeah. So imagine a, a Rollo almost falling through the atmosphere and starting to, you know, get those classic sort of sci-fi film, you know, heat just bursting off of it just as it goes through. And then what happens is it releases some parachutes, Rollo very slowly, gently lands in the Pacific Ocean, off the coast of Mexico. And then 
they've got NASA recovery teams working with the US Navy and they collect it and off it goes. And I think probably the best fact about this landing is that it happened 50 years to the day that Apollo 17 landed on the moon, which is the most recent moon landing by NASA. So it's taken us, you know, 50 years to get back there. And so Matt, this is obviously stage one of a three-stage program for Artemis. What comes next? Yes. So as I said earlier, the Artemis 2 mission is next up, and that's not due to launch until May 2024. That is a obviously big leap in the seriousness of the program because we're now putting astronauts into lunar orbit. So that will be up to three weeks of space travel. And then once again, they'll land in the Pacific and we'll review, prepare, get everything lined up for Artemis 3, sending humans back to land on the moon. Aside from that, though, Artemis, we're not going to see anything until 2024. There are other space projects that happen, funnily enough, all the time, though. Um, So there are a few others that are happening that will be of interest to people, including ones done by NASA. We love a cool space project. Can you run us through them? So the one that I find most interesting is the Psyche mission, which is a NASA mission. And you know that I love to bring Greek mythology or mythological references Mm -hmm. because, funnily enough, that's what get used for naming missions in NASA land, apparently. Yeah. So Psyche is goddess of the soul Mm. and referring to a particular asteroid which bears the same name, which is very interesting because it's not like any asteroid you'd normally think of, which is sort of rocky. This is metallic. And so the theory is, is that it might actually be the inner core of a protoplanet. So a planet that just couldn't quite make it, just didn't get itself together into full planet mode. So they're going to send a spacecraft to Psyche to check it out, see what it's made of, its composition both on the surface and interior, potentially flesh out its origin story as well, because everyone loves a good origin story. Yeah, that's true. The second one is called JUICE, like orange juice. Yeah. And that stands for Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer. And they're going to understand a little bit more about the dynamics between those moons and its big gas parent planet and understanding its habitability as well. So ice, liquid water, water in general, generally is a precursor to the ability for life to exist. Mm -hmm. And JUICE is being run by the European Space Agency, like our last cool project, Euclid. That is a mission that is going to explore the dark matter that exists within the universe and dark energy. So these are going to kick off next year. They will be keenly watched by me, by others, and we'll also be anticipating what comes out of Artemis 1 in terms of the review, as well as preparing for Artemis 2 and 3 to go up and send humans back to the moon. Matthew Aegis is a science journalist for Cosmos Magazine. You can read more of Matt's reporting by heading to cosmosmagazine.com. Also, if you're a fan of the show, don't forget to subscribe. You can download the Listener app to listen for free or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just search The Science Briefing and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Jake Morecambe. Mixing by Dave Stein. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time. 